Uh, yeah, I often I often contemplate on the fact that we've had a, a long journey. We've had um, um, you know some some good success, I think, with growth, um, and and then I, I feel like we're at the still at the the start of the journey, not the end. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. Across the world, the once abundant oceans began showing signs of strain due to overfishing. Yet, just as things seemed bleak, a beacon of innovation emerged, aquaculture, which now accounts for over 50% of global seafood production. Within the world of aquaculture, recirculating aquaculture systems, or RAS as they're commonly known, are a game changer. Operating as closed loop systems, water is continuously cleaned and recycled, minimising waste and resource use. Differing from sea cages or open ponds, RAS provides a controlled environment. As this technology gains traction, a global shift is palpable. RAS farms are beginning to proliferate, ensuring steady, eco-friendly seafood supply. This modern approach has revitalised the seafood industry, offering a sustainable means to meet global demand without further burdening the oceans and natural waterways. The future of seafood, once uncertain, was now illuminated with promise, thanks to the groundbreaking potential of RAS. Mainstream Aquaculture, based in Melbourne, is a global frontrunner in RAS fish production. Championing sustainable aquaculture practices, the company specialises in breeding and growing high-quality fish, especially barramundi, using state-of-the-art RAS facilities. Their innovative approach not only caters to the increasing global demand, but also emphasises the environmental responsibility, setting new standards for the future of the aquaculture industry. Paul Harrison is the founder of Mainstream and a global giant in the innovative world of RAS. Okay, yeah. Hi, I'm uh, Paul Harrison. Um, I'm uh, with Mainstream Aquaculture uh, in Werribee, uh, which is about 25 minutes outside of Melbourne. My history was, I guess if I go right back, I was always um, uh, obsessed with fish uh, growing up, mainly aquariums more than actually fishing, um, but just had an obsession with fish. I ended up doing a, a PhD in marine science, in marine biology, um, and um, had a, a few years as a sort of academic researcher post that. But the whole time I was doing that, I was um, really passionate and keen um, to do something in commerce, uh, and it seemed very logical if I was going to do that to uh, to move from marine science uh, into aquaculture. So fortunately for me, uh, I have a brother who uh, is in commerce, who's an accountant and a financial advisor. I had an, a couple of other colleagues, both in science and um, in mechanics and plumbing, uh, who uh, were quite like-minded, and the four of us uh, got together and conceive the idea of, of mainstream aquaculture. Mainstream aquaculture's primary RAS facility is strategically located in the Melbourne suburb of Werribee, Victoria. Situated southwest of the CBD, Werribee serves as an ideal hub for advanced aquaculture practices due to its accessibility and conducive environment. This facility, nestled close to both urban markets and pristine natural resources, underscores the unique geographic opportunities for RAS production of sustainable seafood. Yeah, so the, the Y Werribee is, is simply because of uh, an amazing um, water resource that's under the ground. So uh, when, we, 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 when we were planning the business, 
what we were very conscious of is that firstly aquaculture was a, a a great prospect for a business just because of its ability to to provide fish and protein uh, economically and sustainably um, and we felt that the key to doing this was to get a really great uh, water source and if possible to do that near one of the major markets so at that point in time the research technology was was really very very new um, but it offered promise uh, for a solution to grow fish uh, and, and is best if you can take the transportation piece out so you can grow fish um, on a low footprint and near the market. So we, uh, we employed a hydrologist to look all around Australia, but really focusing within about 100 kilometres of the major cities, um, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide. And we pinpointed about 20 locations where we thought we could get uh, really good quality water. And in fact, Werribee is by far the, um, uh, the, the number one standout location. And we were fortunate enough to be able to, to, to find a property that was available and, uh, and set up from there. So uh, look, the water source below Werribee, it's, uh, we draw water from about 260, 270 metres below the ground. Uh, the water is geothermal, so it's um, naturally heated. Uh, it comes out of the ground at 29.2 degrees year round. And the water's just slightly brackish, brackish, so we grow, it's a freshwater product, but slightly brackish uh, water. And the other thing that's great about it is it's, uh, it's got a lot of carbonate in it. So uh, that, that's one of the requirements in a research system to balance pH. Normally you're having to add carbonate continuously. For us, we get both our, well, we get our water, we get our heat, and we get our carbonate directly out of the ground. It's not only from a sustainability perspective, but there are many from the investor community who see the future in RAS. RAS facilities promise higher year-round yields on limited land footprints, irrespective of geographic location. Their synthesis of ecological responsibility with economic viability positions RAS as the epitome of forward-thinking seafood production, attracting the admiration and attention of both investors and sustainability advocates. Recirculating aquaculture really just is what it what it says there. It's constantly recirculating the water um, between a system of tanks and a filtration plant and back into the tanks for the purpose of being able to reuse the water over and over again um, and allow you to grow fish. Firstly, uh, you know, using uh, little water, but secondly, on a on a, a smaller footprint than you would in say an open pond or, or sea cage setup. Uh, so, typically, uh, the tanks are, are loaded uh, with fish and oxygen is injected into those tanks in order to keep the oxygen levels ideal for the fish. And then different systems will operate differently with the complexity of the filtration, depending on uh, the stocking density and the intensity of the operation. But the ones we use typically, our standard uh, design, involve circulating the water um, between the filters and the tanks every 30 minutes. So twice an hour, uh, the fish get a complete water exchange, having the water pass through the filters. And the filter steps um, are, are really um, a multi-step process where step one, you're removing any uh, solid matter in the water through a mechanical screen. Step two, you're performing biological filtration. So you're remo removing uh, toxic ammonia uh, step three, you are uh, then removing the carbon dioxide back out of the water. 
Uh, step four is normally a sterilization step, which can involve both UV and ozone. And then step five is the re-oxygenation of the water and back into the, to the tank. So it's quite a complex um, a series of processes, but what it results in is uh, water effectively being uh, flushed through the tanks very, very quickly and keeping um, you know, the, the optimal environment for the fish. I think there's a, a number of things that make it uh, very attractive. I think that uh, firstly, from an environmental footprint in general, uh, it, it offers a really great solution. So you can grow, you can grow fish uh, using very little land space, um, using very little water, um, and you can grow fish close to market so you can reduce the transportation costs. Uh, the other side of that is it is a process which is quite energy intensive. So one of the requirements as we keep developing these research systems is to uh, ensure that our energy efficiency keeps improving. Um, but those are the real main advantages uh, from a, um, a, a sort of a resource uh, perspective. The other real advantage is that you have full control. So you're not subject to uh, weather, you're not subject to the elements. Uh, we also uh, farm fish in North Queensland and are obviously uh, then conscious of things like cyclones and, uh, and so forth, which can also affect the operation. So you, you're fully enclosed and fully protected um, from that, so you have a, a controlled environment. And, and then I think I would just also then add to that, I think one of the drivers at the moment um, is that, uh, that, you know, the world is moving towards, uh, in general, our, our 2050 net zero targets. And even our government has signed up, um, uh, you know, to those targets. And they include uh, targets not only relating to carbon, but also relating to nitrogen and phosphorus, for instance. So uh, there is a requirement for aquaculture operations to continue to get more and more efficient and more towards a point where there's uh, little to no waste um, leaving the facilities and recirculating aquaculture systems offer a solution for that. The establishment of a world-class hatchery dedicated to producing barramundi fingerlings has been pivotal in redefining the global seafood landscape. By ensuring a consistent, high-quality supply of young fish to farms worldwide, this hatchery has catalyzed the large-scale, sustainable cultivation of barramundi. This reliable production, coupled with the fish's delectable taste and nutritional profile, has elevated barramundi from a regional delicacy to a globally recognised white table fish. We, we initially started the business without the hatchery. We initially started the business just focusing on um, purchasing in fish and, and growing them out through the recirculating system. But, uh, Myself and many others in the business um, had a had some experience in the skill set in in hatchery technology. So it became very sort of natural very early on that we would uh, start to look at and focus on that. So initially it was a move uh, really to secure our own supply, and it was something we felt we could do well with our existing skill set. Um, but then it very quickly uh, grew into something more. So. Uh, within a few years of commencing the hatchery, we were, uh, uh, you know, one of the major suppliers to the Australian industry. And and then what we've seen really over the last decade is worldwide the um, the interest in barramundi as a sort of a global solution for a white fleshed fish has been growing and growing. So uh, we've seen a lot of interest uh, in uh, in places like the, in the Middle East, uh, in the United States. 
Uh, there's obviously a, a lot of barramundi already existing in uh, Southeast Asia. And so our hatchery business has turned into uh, not only one supplying ourselves, but one that's um, now the, the dominant supplier of, of barramundi fingerlings worldwide. And I think last year we, we, um, uh, we, we sold about 26 million fish, of which about 80% of those are exported and 20% are supplied to the Australian industry. Scaling a fish hatchery business presents multifaceted challenges. Ensuring consistent water quality and temperature becomes complex with increased volume. Securing a stable genetic pool to prevent inbreeding and maintain fish health is vital. As operations expand, disease management and biosecurity measures must intensify to prevent widespread outbreaks. Additionally, logistical challenges arise in distributing larger quantities of fingerlings around the world while maintaining their vitality and health. Certainly the experiences through COVID amplified those challenges. Um, so the challenges shipping uh, fish around the world are, are mainly logistics. So you can, uh, you, you can work out quite easily, uh, provided you, you prepare the fish properly, you can work, work out quite easily how many fish to, to pack per box for a given amount of time. Uh, but the real challenge is when that time extends. So you're uh, and, and, and in practice, what that means is, you know, sometimes flights are either delayed or cancelled or freight can't fit on flights and things are moved around. So I think our overall challenges are just uh, logistics and being able to predict the logistics. But look, we successfully ship fish. Um, uh, we, we, it's always uh, getting a bit more risky when it's over 48 hours, but uh, one of our major clients has a 65-hour shipping time from, from us to them and, and, and we were able to do that successfully. Finfish farming, beyond RAS systems, includes several diverse methods. Open ocean and net pen farming involve confining fish in offshore cages, allowing natural water flow. Pond aquaculture is a traditional method where fish are raised in earthen or lined ponds. Cage farming in freshwater bodies like lakes employs floating cages, and flow-through systems utilise constant water sources, passing water once through fish tanks before discharge. Each system has its own environmental and operational advantages and challenges, shaping its suitability for specific species and locations. However, RAS is seen by many to be the future of fish farming. We, we identify that um, particularly the land-based pond uh, farming form of aquaculture is also a, a great uh, way to, to farm. It's very sustainable. It um, uh, produces a great product and uh, is a means to um, increased scale and particularly a solution around the larger fish. So barramundi are typically, typically sold as um, sometimes called baby barramundi or plate size barramundi in the 600 gram to 1 to 1 1.2 kilogram size. Then there's really a void space in the market until the fish get to about 3 to 3.5 kilos or above and they're sold as the, the, the fillet product. And that larger product is the is the major volume product um, in Australia and around the world. So we're very interested in, um, in, in growing our business in that um, product category or the large fish category. And the ponds offered a, a means to do that. In terms of the, obviously that is itself a, a move away from RAS, but the first thing we did when we, um, after we invested into pond farming in North Queensland is we built a RAS. So at the moment, as we see the technology, 
the RAS is by far the best solution, not only for its environmental credentials, but for its economic credentials um, for growing fish through the nursery phase um, for any farm. So our RAS in Queensland um, is taking fish from our hatchery at 0.2 grams and is growing those fish up to 200 grams. And those 200 gram fish are then being uh, loaded into the ponds. And this is exactly the same um, uh, arrangement that you see in the salmon industry uh, where all of the smalt production is now done on large format wrasses and then the smolts are, are loaded into sea cages from there. So using a wrasse coupled to a pond farm um, has made Im enormous improvements in the uh, overall output and the overall efficiency of that farm. Where we see the technology also now, we see when we look at the production of the plate size fish so up to 1.2 kilos, um, we're in a very good position now to be doing that in ponds and doing that in RAS. And I think we'd probably assess that as, uh, as the gap is closing. Uh, it's still more economic to do that production in ponds. But it's very, very close now. The, the RAS systems are getting um, a lot better. And as we move forward, we're going to continue to invest and grow in our pond farming infrastructure. But we're also going to continue to invest and grow in parallel with RAS. And one of the things we think that's really critical for RAS now is to come up with a solution, an economic solution uh, for those larger fish. So growing, you know, three, four or five kilogram fish in RAS. And there's some ways we intend to modify the system to, to make that feasible. But I guess when we look at it, we want to be able to bring good quality product to the market now. Ponds offer us a really great solution. Um, we think in the future, as a lot, I think a lot of the world um, thinks at the moment, that RAS will be the way of the future and there'll be a conversion point where that is the dominant um, method of aquaculture. But that is out in the future, and we think our best way to get there is to be able to grow uh, fish in both of those um, formats and constantly work on improving the RAS and doing more and more RAS in the future. As we've discussed on this podcast previously, barramundi, renowned for its mild flavour and succulent texture, is a sought-after fish globally. Its adaptability to various aquaculture systems, combined with its rapid growth and health benefits, amplifies its appeal. The fish's sustainable farming practices further enhance its worldwide demand, catering to the environmentally conscious consumers, retailers and chefs alike. Well, I think with Barramundi, the, the excitement starts with the, the product. So I guess in, in some ways, as a business, whilst we, you know, we're very, very proud of being um, you know, industry and, and world leaders in RAS technology. But in many ways, we're agnostic to the method of, of farming. We, we focus very much on the product and the feedback on the product. And, um, and both pond farming and RAS farming require um, you know, attention to the product at the end so that it's finished properly and presented to the market uh, perfectly. So one of the really exciting things about Barramundi Worldwide is is whilst, whilst the world has a solution, if you like, for the pink category and red category fish being uh, salmon and tuna, uh, what we see in the, in the white flesh category, which is by far the largest category, is we see, you know, 30 or 40 different um, typical fish in that category around the world, depending on 
uh, on actually what's most um, frequently wild caught in that area. So uh, there is no global industrial solution for a white flesh fish. And barramundi is one of you know several species that, that could really fill that void. So we're really excited about the growth there. And the really exciting thing is when you know people who haven't experienced barramundi before uh, taste it for the first time and uh, and just amazed that um, uh, you know it's it's uh, it's a very light textured fish. Um, it does have a bit of fish taste, but it's very light fishy. So it's not described as a, a fishy fish. It's quite light and, and buttery. So. Uh, you know, we see a lot of uptake around the world. And then, you know, then I guess stepping back from that is how are you going to supply that moving forward? That's where the, uh, the, the RAS system kicks in and there's fewer and fewer opportunities to be, um, you know, setting up things like CK driven pond farms now as the, the world moves forward. So, uh, you know, we, we really think that RAS is the way to supply it. As concerns grow over our environmental impacts, RAS can be integrated with other aquaculture production systems to reduce water usage, manage waste efficiently and minimise disease outbreaks. This synergy provides a blueprint for eco-friendly, consistent and high quality fish production, meeting global demand sustainably and efficiently. So our focus on the future and, and our focus for, for future growth is to, um, is to increase our volume outputs um, substantially. We're, we're very uh, excited about the potential for the barramundi market and we want to be able to supply more products so uh, we have uh, you know one focus uh, in north queensland where we um, intend to continue to expand our pond farming operations uh, in parallel with our ras developments as well and one of the other exciting things we're doing in in queensland is um, in addition to looking to implement RAS for the full solution, we're also hybridising some of the technologies. So one of the challenges with pond farms is they have a, is they have a, a density capacity. And one of the advantages of RAS is that uh, the technology is constantly cleaning up the water. Uh, it's not very practical to do a RAS with a, a one, you know, 1.2 hectare uh, size tank but it is possible to take some of the technology and incorporate that uh, with those um, large ponds and improve uh, the pond water quality, which has two advantages, allows you to increase the stocking density in those ponds and also uh, reduces the nutrient output. So for example, we are now um, running on about a third of our ponds in Queensland, um, a, um, a filtration plant, uh, which recirculates water in and out of that pond Nothing like a full RAS, which is water's going in, uh, in and out, you know, every 30 minutes. In this case, water's going through the filtration plant about once a day, but it's sufficient to keep those ponds in, in much better uh, condition and both uh, offer solutions for the nutrient uh, release challenge and offer solutions for increasing the capacity of the ponds. So we're very focused, I guess you would call that on what we call smart, smart ponds or efficient ponds uh, as we're growing in, in conjunction with uh, RAS technologies in Queensland. So Queensland's going to be a big focus for us. And I'd mentioned earlier that uh, we've also sort of positioned a farm now in the United States and we intend to, uh, in parallel, increase our, our farming size and volume in the United States. And, and that's because we see a market 
which you know, on the west coast of the United States in particular, uh, which, which parallels almost exactly the east coast of Australia market, uh, is, is somewhat bigger, um, but operates in, in many of the same ways and, and has a really great, you know, it's early days in America, but a really great appreciation for Barramundi. Paul Harrison at the helm of mainstream aquaculture is a testament to what it means to be a trailblazer in the burgeoning field of aquaculture. As technological advancements continuously reshape the landscape, Harrison doesn't just adapt, he leads. With a visionary approach, he harnesses emerging opportunities, turning them into transformative practices for the industry. His leadership not only captures the present momentum, but also charts a course for a sustainable and innovative aquaculture future. Uh, yeah, I, I often I often contemplate on the fact that we've had a, a long journey. We've had um, um, you know some some good success, I think, with growth, um, and and then I, I feel like we're at the still at the the start of the journey, not the end. So um, I'm certainly um, very excited about um, uh, growing the volume of the product. Uh, whilst I think we're uh, we're probably relatively large business uh, in the barramundi sector. We're a relatively small business when you think about you know salmon and global aquaculture. And I'm really excited to see barramundi on more and more restaurant menus on, at more and more homes, uh, and just getting um, that product out uh, into the mainstream. Uh, that, that's that's one of the things that, that that drives us a lot. The other on the other side of it. Uh, one of my specific roles in the business is I sit over the uh, selective breeding program and we are seeing uh, some really amazing um, uh, improvements in, in the biology and the domestication of the fish. Um, they include you know, growth rate and fillet yield, but they're all, we're also starting to look at a number of other um, qualities around the, the eating qualities, so, f so flesh qualities and levels of omega-3 and, and so forth, which, are, which can actually be selected for uh, to give an improved product. So you, you sort of put those two things together. We're, we're excited about growth because it, it, it puts more barramundi um, out to people. And, and then we're excited about uh, optimising the, the barramundi itself and the selective breeding programs, um, uh, you know, really working well in that respect. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production, I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Fishtails Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtailspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.